Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, your host for Loving That Sports Talk and co-host with me, Chris. You there? Hey, James. How are you today? We have another great show. We got a lot of people going to be calling in. We got our returning guest. Oh, look. Yeah, I wait to hear what he got to say. You there, Wayman? Oh, I am here. <laughs> oh, Wayman. Just wait. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Actually, I'm not doing too well with my red skin sitting it on, too, but. I'm okay. <laughs> okay, well, well t- tr- trust us, we won't take it easy on you. <laughs> I'm sure you won't. Glad you called back in. It was good. Hey, I got to know some on. questions. And Chris got some, and I know you got to talk about something to brag on. But um, that division over there, the NFC North, Dallas, Redskins, Giants, what is going on over there? We got Eagles 2 0. Everybody's thinking Dallas is going to win, but Tony got hurt. One and one. We got the Redskins zero and two, and we got Giants. Was it one and one and zero? No, they're they're two and zero. What is going on that division? Is it up for being grabs? What do you think, Wayman? It's been up for grabs, probably for the last decade. And unfortunately, you know, just when you think a team is going to repeat, uh, it it doesn't look like my Redskins have it together, at least not yet, and they notoriously start slow, so I'm not too concerned, but, uh, you know, every it is what everybody thought it was going to be, wide open division, and that's the only thing giving me hope right now that my Redskins can make a comeback. Uh, the Eagles have played a combination of two teams that I think me and my brothers and my high school team could have beat, both the Bears <laughs> and the, the Browns. Um, so I'm not ready to, to, to pay on my bet yet. We'll see how they do against uh, Pittsburgh, which which destroyed my Redskins. But I, I just don't think right now it's a very consistent or very solid division. Well, the thing about the Redskins, you know, because I, I, I think they've been on TV the last two weeks in a row, mm-hmm. their defense is, is on point. they got a good defense. In order to offense, it's a little iffy. you look if you look at the offense, I think the offense is, I mean, if, if you look at the receivers and who they have, minus the running game, very elite stat. I mean, with Deshaun Jackson, you got Crowder as your third receiver. you got Pierre Garçon. you got Jordan Reed at tight end. Um, and I watched the Pittsburgh game, and I watched the Dallas game, and these guys are running wide open across the field, and Cousins is not getting them or delivering them the ball. And so, unfortunately... For the Redskins, obviously, they're going to go as far as Cousins takes them. And right now, he's hesitant. I think the weight of that contract or future contract is kind of weighing him down, and he's definitely not performed this year how he performed towards the end of last year. I don't know if you talk about women, talk about my Eagles, but that team the Cowboys play, you see Davis, your Redskins and them might have tied. So I wouldn't talk to you. They, they might have, and, and I do. I do want to say, you know what? I didn't think the Eagles were going to be, especially with a a rookie quarterback, um, doing as well as as they have. Um, and I credit the defense more than I credit. You know what? I credit the defense, and I also credit the play calling. Um, Carson Wentz, if you watched him Monday night, everything was a short pass, and so they're building his confidence. Um, they're doing things the right way, just kind of playing behind that defense. They're not 
stringing him out to dry, even though if he doesn't slide every now and again, I don't think he's going to make it through half of the season. Well, I mean, you know how that is. When you get a quarterback, and I tell everybody that, all a quarterback got to do is not make mistakes. If you got defense to win, Carson Wentz ain't made no interception, no turnovers. So, right there, that, yeah. that gives no, you he, a chance to win. definitely approaching it the right way. You know? So, that gives you a chance to win. I don't see him making no turnovers, you know? Yeah, no, and then they're sitting behind that defense. But I told you loud earlier, and, and we talked, I said I want you to call me the prophet from here on out because there's already a quarterback controversy in Minnesota, like I predicted a couple of weeks ago. You bring in another Eagles outcast. You bring in Sam Bradford. He performs pretty well. I'm not going to say he was excellent, but he played pretty well versus Green Bay considering uh, he's come over just in the beginning of the season and didn't know the offense week one. And looks like he could make that Minnesota offense go, um, which brought me to my point a couple of weeks ago. What do you do with Teddy Bridgewater when he comes back? You thought it was a no-brainer. Bridgewater comes back. You give him the job. But if Minnesota wins that division again, behind that solid defense in Bradford, how do you then let Bridgewater walk into uh, into that starting job? Right. Well, um, well, that's, that's, for, that's for you, love. I'm, I'm asking you primarily because you told me I was crazy. You are crazy because <laughs> the same thing everybody's saying about the Eagles. That quarterback 2-0, you got to wait till the season starts for that. You know, okay. that boy, he's going to He's gonna he's gonna make some turnovers, you know what I'm saying? And you know, it's only two games. Anything happened in two games. But you give it a game eight and nine when they start playing down the road and and start losing and the same thing with Sam Brown. You got no running back, Peterson now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. if Sam Brown couldn't make it in two other teams, the Rams and the Eagles, you what make you think he'll make it with Minnesota. Come on. Wait till they play Green Bay and all the ones in the division one. Then you'll be calling you ain't gonna want to call. We'll be calling you. you no, be I'm, I'm calling you. He just now. He just now beat Green Bay. He just now beat Green Bay uh, on 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 Sunday Night Football. Just now beat Green Bay. He doesn't have a running game. Um, but even when Peterson was in, he didn't have a running game. Peterson. That's true. Wasn't really doing very much for him, and 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 he made Stephon Diggs look like you know the second coming of of, of Randy Moss in Minnesota. So um, if if Bradford can at least consistently play like he played on Sunday night with all the lights on and all of America watching him um, and, and stays healthy because that's been the biggest knock on him his whole career, I think there's definitely going to be um, minimum a quarterback controversy in Minnesota. And, and, and then what do you do with, with Teddy? Not that happens. Not that happens. Every year, Green Bay start off so don't What What okay. can Rogers okay. say the word? Relax. Yes. Remember? Every year. Yeah. He, 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 he might need to step it up. I just now read today where in his last 15 games, his pass rating is under 100%. So maybe uh, he needs to do the opposite of relax because Green Bay, even with Jordy Nelson back and you got Cobb in the slot, they still don't look like that offense has, has turned the corner like everybody just expected them to do. They, they blamed... Rodgers off year last year on the fact that, well, he didn't have his deep threat Jordy Nelson outside, and therefore there was too much pressure on Randall Cobb. Well, you got, and, and I'm not saying that Jordy Nelson's 100%, but he's back outside, and it doesn't look like in the first two games, and that was against the Jaguars and Minnesota, that that, that offense is, is doing much more than they did last year either. So 
I do think that Minnesota, especially with that defense and Bradford being able to hit receivers, um, will at least be competitive in that division. Obviously, Chicago is not going to put up much of a fight. Um, and, and that just leaves um, Detroit, which Minnesota, I think, definitely could beat with Bradford. So, you know, all these Philadelphia cast-offs wind up, wind up doing something on these other teams. Even, uh, even what did you tell me, um, Chip Kelly? Chip Kelly looks like an NFL coach. Maybe it's just Philadelphia where people can't play. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just something with Philadelphia. Chip Kelly at least looks like he's a, a decent head coach in Philadelphia. You know, he didn't even look like he could spell his name. So maybe it's just the city of Philadelphia that, you know, kind of has that adverse effect on people. Wow, I'm 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 feeling the love going on here. I'm feeling the love. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. So so let me so you you kind of brought it up a little bit about about Aaron Rodgers, you know, and kind of and being under a hundred percent, you know, in in his in his, his ability. Do you think that people other other teams are are getting are coming on to him that they they see what he's doing his plays and they've been able to 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 defend him better? You know, I I think that. You know, and, and it's it's true in any sport when 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 you kind of make this um, this rise to the top like Aaron Rodgers did, and, and he won a Super Bowl. Um, he, he's kind of fallen since then, and, and I think he's kind of. And I'm not saying that he's rested on his laurels. I think Aaron Rodgers definitely puts in the work to to maintain his status as an elite level quarterback in this league. But the, st- the statistics don't back it up that he's not been back to a Super Bowl or even an NFC championship game since they won that Super Bowl. So, you know, we, we just automatically assume that Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback. But that's not what's been proven out the last couple of years, and, and especially last year. I mean, and, and I'm not going to say he lost the game for him on Sunday night, but he threw an interception late in the game. Um, the series before that, he got the ball smacked out of his hand. Earlier in the game, he got the ball smacked out of his hand, and, and unfortunately, somebody on the team was able to um, pick it up. But, you know, and this is a point someone else made to me a few years back, and the only exception would be um, Tom Brady. But no $20 million quarterback on any team has won a Super Bowl. Um, and that's, that's Russell Wilson now. That is Ben Roethlisberger. That is Eli Manning. Brady Peyton is kind of an What's that? Peyton won one last year. But Peyton took a pay cut. See, that's what I'm saying. He, he, didn't, he wasn't making $20 million. And, and Brady would have been the exception to that rule, but he gave some money back to keep Wes Welker, and Wes Welker bolted for the Broncos. So Brady was making slightly less, less than his $20 million. But if you, if you look at the Packers, what the Packers can't afford now is an elite offensive line. Uh, they can't run the ball like they were able to with Lacey a few years ago. So once you start paying a player that amount of money in one position, and, and the NFL being the ultimate team sport, um, it, it, it starts to affect other areas. And so I think if, if Rodgers had a whole bunch of time in the pocket, I think he would pick teams apart. But that offensive line is suspect, and, and he was under duress. Um, the whole game Sunday night when I watched. And so um, I'm not going to say he's not elite, but he definitely doesn't have an elite team around him now. Let me ask you this, Lyman. You know football. You know it too, Chris. You know we've won, two, three, four. Teams don't really open up their playbook. 
they run in basic stuff right now. So right now, we seem like preseason game. Basically, you don't think so? I mean, I, I don't think you've, you've opened up the full playbook, but I think teams pretty much, with the exception of a few, are going to be who they are now. You take the Patriots without Brady, no, they're not going to be who they are now. Uh, you take a team like the 49ers, who I anticipate in a couple of weeks will have to turn the the reins over to, to Kaepernick, no, they're not who they are now, um, or they're not now who they're going to be. But the Redskins, and you look at other teams, Dallas may not be who they're going to be as their offensive line evolves, as Dak Prescott gets used to his first full season in the NFL. But other teams, I definitely think that the majority of what they're running is, is, is who they're going to be, unless there's some major adjustment. Minnesota is not who they're going to be because now you're dealing with, with a team without their star running back. So there are going to be some slight adjustments, but I think for the most part these teams are who who they're going to be. Now you may have some people that can work out some kinks, but um, you know it's not like at the end of the season uh, Buffalo is going to have a great defense. Buffalo's defense is horrible, um, which is which is kind of crazy talking about Rex Ryan and that being his calling card. But since he's been there, that defense has been horrible. And they've shown no indication or no signs of, of, of making any type of adjustment to that. Um, so, like I said, I think teams will make adjustments, but, you know, and, and of course I am anticipating that Philadelphia starts to trend backwards um, after, and I'm not just getting a dig in at you, love, but after teams acclimate themselves to what Carson Wentz can do, because he's new. He's new. You don't know what to expect. You don't know what type of offense Philadelphia is running. And as teams have more game film on him and are able to adjust their game plans towards that, I do think that uh, Philadelphia will start trending backwards beginning this week. Okay. You know what, I, I, let's talk a little bit about the, the rookie quarterbacks. And since we're talking about Carson Wentz, let's go with him with the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, he actually has some early success. He's one of few rookie quarterbacks that has won the first two games of the year. You know, there's, there's, since 1970, he's only the fifth quarterback, rookie quarterback to do that. You know, so he's, he's in, you know, he, along with Mark Sanchez, John Elway, Joe Flacco, you know, he's in, he's in good company with, with that record. However, you know, most of these players have not gone on to, you know, gone to do much, you know, or, <laughs> other than John Elway. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so Simeon, he threw 71 passes. He completed 43 of them, so it's you know, a little over 60%. Um, he also, uh, you know, he threw for just shy of 500 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, I think they've, they've definitely simplified that offense for him. Um, he's, he's not throwing deep passes. He's throwing short passes, which gets him in a rhythm, which builds his confidence. I have to give a lot of credit to the coach. I have to give a lot of credit to the game plan. Um, and, and, and they trust him, which, which is also, I think, rare for a rookie quarterback. But where, where if you saw that Monday night game versus Chicago, they came out slinging the ball, uh, which, is, which is very rare for a team that's going to try to beat you behind its defense. But they, they have not um, reeled him in. They're, they're letting him play. And they're showing confidence in the team, and I think as a team that that inspires confidence, and that inspires confidence not only in you all as a team, but also as him being a leader that can get you there. So I, I think it's just 
a reflection of um, of a good head coach. I, I really do um, like the approach, and as much as it pains me to say it and spit it out of my mouth, um, they they are they're doing some good things in Philadelphia, and, and I can definitely see that as a team on the rise because I do think they have a good coach with a great approach. Well, that's the same thing with Denver. Well, I mean, I see them now come out swinging the ball to that first two games. I'm thinking, wow, you know, you put this guy that's only through one pass ever, they swinging the ball, you know. Yeah, but Denver primarily still wants to sit behind that run and that defense, and, and they are throwing it more than I thought they would. But, um, you know, his, his statistics aren't, you know, he's, he's, he's forced turnovers, and, and if it weren't for that defense, they could be 0-2 very easily or at least 1-1 one one versus the Carolina Panthers. He definitely didn't have a good first game, and, and he's, he's a game manager. I mean, that, that's what he's doing. They've, they've gotten the majority of their touchdowns um, through running the ball. As a matter of fact, I know he didn't throw a touchdown this past week versus Indianapolis. I know they ran him in, and they had two two touchdowns from their defense. So, um, you know, but, but that's also a sign of a, of a good coach. Uh, Gary Kubiak knows that he can sit behind his defense, throw short passes, um, get some help from the referees, because I watched that game, and the referees definitely helped the Broncos on some phantom interference calls, and I know I have a bias, but I'll just throw that out there. Um, but, but no, I mean, I, I think, especially with these teams with young people, young starters or new starters at quarterback, with the exception of the Redskins, these coaches are approaching it the right way. That's what we got to do. We have to take a break and come back. Chris got more questions. I don't know if she got this question, but we definitely got to talk about Jay Cutler. This is James, Chris, <laughs> and Wayman. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're hooked up with loving that sports talk james loving and his guests want to hear it from you call us at 1-888-346-9144 that's 888-346-9144 or drop an email to loving that sports talk at yahoo.com now back to the show 
I'm here, James, and I am so excited. I am so excited. You there, Wayman? I am here. We got our guest, Dave. Dave, you there? Yes, James. Just how you go today. Are you there, James? Yeah, can you hear Yes. I'm here, James. Uh, we got Chris and Wayman on the line, Dave. Shoot, you got questions, or we got something for you. Which one do you want? Are you uh, holding for me, James? Say that again. Are you holding for me? Am I on the line? You're on the line. You're on the air. Okay, great. How are you doing? First time caller, James. Hey, glad to have you. You get Chris close, and we got Wayman on the line, Dave. Okay, do you want? Go ahead and take me later if you got somebody else holding. No. Hey, hi, Dave. Oh, it's Chris. Do you, do you have a question for us? Yes. Are you perfect? Well, what, what, what do you want to ask us? I want to ask James why it is that he thinks the Broncos don't get the credit they deserve after they won the Super Bowl last year. Uh, <laughs> good question. <laughs> Boy. I'll tell you what, Dave. I'm waiting. I'm going to let Wayman and Chris answer first, and then I'm going to answer. How does that sound? Wait, 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 Wayman, right. you, go, you, you go ahead and go first, Wayman. I'll let you go. Um, I think it's because in today's NFL, you, you kind of – push your offensive stars, and, and not that Von Miller hasn't gotten a lot of publicity in, in, in commercials and whatnot, but I think a team that wins behind his defense for the NFL as a whole and for sports writers and sports talk is just not that exciting. I mean, when you push the Broncos, you're pushing the defense. Are you going to push Trevor Simeon? Are you going to push the running backs? And, and not that Demarius Thomas is not an elite uh, receiver, but I think that's probably what it comes down to. And Denver is one of the smaller markets in the NFL, too. So, um, you know, Denver was very popular when John Elway was a quarterback. But once again, you had an offensive person who was driving that team. And now that the defense is driving that team, I don't think the Broncos are going to receive the same type of credit, especially Peyton Manning kind of devolved into a game manager. You're not getting the same type of publicity. You're waiting for a team with an elite offense to beat the Broncos. And for me, that's the reason why the Broncos have not received the type of credit that they do. I was going to say deserve, and it's hard for me to spit that word out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, 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 Dave, I'm, I'm going to follow with Wayman regarding the, the defense and, and say that, you know, yes, Denver's defense last year was, was phenomenal. And people didn't think that their defense was going to be as good. And maybe they're not as good as they were last year, but they're still pretty, pretty impressive. And I have said numerous times last year that defense wins games. And it proved, proved me right many times, especially in the Super Bowl, that, Dem- that defense does win games. And, you know, I, they, they did it last weekend. They did it, they've done it many times. And, People just don't give them the credit that they do deserve. You know, again, I, I think uh, Wayman hit it because it's a smaller market. But people are going to have to start recognizing that Denver is a very, very good team. You know, and, and it's behind, mm-hmm. you know, Wade Phillips as, as a defensive coach and Kubiak as the head coach. You know, they're finally getting their, their just desserts, you know, from what they've done. So That's great. Well, that answers my question. 
day, right? Can I answer a day? Yes, sir. One, one, I hate that you asked me the question on air. So you put me in a spot. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Dave, I'm so happy you asked this question. I know you're in recording, but it is recording. But you know what, Dave? I sit there and joke with you and walk and all like that. But And um, I've, I've seen Super Bowl team, and wait a minute, I know y'all can contest for this. The next year they come back, they do win and do things, but they don't get there. Something ain't clicking. But Denver, I mean, I'm shocked. I mean, the defense clicking. They ain't played that great, but they're winning and they're getting their offenses there. And to me, it just seems like they're going to go right back to the Super Bowl. But it's oh, weird. my goodness gracious. I, I love that. You don't think so, Wade? I'm hoping not. I'm, I don't want to talk about what I think. I'm, I'm hoping and wishing that they, they just that, a, that, that eventually as the season goes on, people recognize that Denver defense, and I'm hoping offensive coordinators will be smarter and double-team Von Miller. I mean, I, I think that, for me, that's the biggest thing, is that you got Von Miller still wreaking havoc, and I, if I was an offensive coordinator, I would take him out of the equation. Somebody else is going to have to beat me on that Denver defense, and, uh, and until that happens, I think you're going to continue to see Denver win by small margins, um, behind that defense until you until you adjust and make some adjustments and take him out of the equation. He's just too good right now to stand up to one-on-one blocking. And, and Carolina learned that in the Super Bowl. Indianapolis learned it late in the game this past week. I'm not going to let him beat me. Let Shane Ray beat me. DeMarcus Ware is out. Let Shane Ray beat me. See if he can handle one-on-one blocking and, and me double-teaming or chipping um, Von Miller. Well, Dave, Raymond, Chris got questions for y'all. You still there, Dave, right? Yes, I'm still here. Go ahead, Chris. So, Dave, we, we were we were talking before the break a little bit about rookie quarterbacks, and you know, we we just got through talking about Carson Wentz, the Philadelphia quarterback, um, uh-huh. and and now let's talk a little bit about Dak Prescott, you know, Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Right. Uh, so far, he's thrown he's thrown the ball 78, 78 times. He's connected forty seven. So he's, he's a little higher percent, six, about 63%. He's thrown for 519 yards, zero touchdowns, but zero interceptions. You know, so so what, what do you guys think of him as a quarterback in, in place of, of Romo? Dave, what do you think? Well, I, I watched him play in his first game, and uh, I was very impressed uh, with his athletic ability, and his uh, I thought he was quite accurate. Um I heard Denver was very interested in him before they drafted last year in the draft, before they took uh, Paxton Lynch, traded up in the first round and take Paxton Lynch. Um, I'm kind of surprised he lasted until the fourth round, but um, I thought he looked, from what I saw, I thought he looked very, very impressive. Um, I'd say he looked better than Simeon looks. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, Waylon, what do you think? What's your opinion? And this is really hard. It's even harder for me to admit that Denver is a <laughs> decent team, okay, but go for, ahead. to admit that somebody from the Cowboys is 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 doing well. But I think once again, you know, I have to give credit to the coaching staffs um, for trusting these rookies to run that offense. They've not dumbed it down for them. Um, they're they trust them. They trusted him to bring them back versus the Redskins late in the game when they were down a few points. They put the game in his hands, and even though they 
ultimately ran the ball in for a one-yard touchdown. He completed passes on fourth down, on third down. Um, these rookies look very poised. They look very poised. Um, you know, Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott. There's not, at this point, too much negative you can say about either one of them. I got a question for you, Raymond, and I'm Dave. Uh, I know okay. Um, is it just me? You know, I had Demaris Thomas on my team, you know, fantasy. I mean, is he a great uh, Hall of Famer, too? Because he drops a lot of balls, but he always ends up with a lot of yards during the season. What do you guys think? Demaris Thomas, did you say? Yes. Is he a Hall of well, Famer? Is that what you said? Well, I'm saying he's going to, is he going to be a Hall of Famer, but he drops a lot of balls. You know, and sometimes it's crucial balls. But, you know, it's end up. Well, the game was 100 some yards, so, you know, what do you guys think? Is it going to be a Hall of Famer? Dave, you want to go first? Can I answer? Can I say something, or does somebody else want to talk? Go ahead. Oh, please. I I think if he gets a quarterback that can get him the ball enough, uh, I think he has a chance. Um, Against the Indianapolis, in the Indianapolis game, he took that one little uh, slant pass, and he was so fast on on his acceleration at his size and his speed. I think that, you know, he's got great hands. He does drop some balls, but I think if he gets a good quarterback back there, he has a chance to make it to the Hall of Fame if he stays healthy. I mean, he does drop some passes, but, boy, talent like that just comes along very rarely. That's what I think. I don't see him as, as an elite talent. I mean, I, I do think that he's a good to above average receiver, but I don't think he does anything exceptionally well. Um, I think Dave made a great point where I think he's going to wind up in a situation where he either has, you know, and Peyton Manning that first year was great for him. They were great for, for one another. Um, but he unfortunately is probably going to, going to play the prime of his career with less than, than great quarterbacks. Um, and and I think that obviously hurts him. But, you know, it's not like Demarius Thomas is is super fast. He kind of reminds me of Brandon Marshall when he was with the Broncos and, and now with the Jets. He has strong hands. Um, he's hard to cover one-on-one, not because he's great, but because he's so much bigger than a lot of the defensive backs that wind up trying to cover him. But I think gone are the days where you see him uh, running past DVs and catching 60- and 70-yard touchdowns. He, If you look at Denver's offense now, if you look at him now, um, he's catching short passes. And even the passes that wind up being for longer yardage, they start out short, and he winds up being able to break a tackle or two and extend those plays. So... Um, Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective, I definitely don't think he gets to the, even anywhere close to, to Hall of Fame. All right, guys. So since we're talking about the Broncos, talk about the wide receivers, I have a question. You know, so the Broncos have only scored once on a completed pass this season, but it wasn't to a wide receiver. What do the Broncos wide receivers need to do to help Simeon find the end zone? Wayman, what do you think? They, they need to get separation. And, and that's what I'm talking about as far as Demarius Thomas um, and, and Sanders. 
if you've looked at those two games, and believe me, I hate the Broncos so much, I watch every single play of their games. Those receivers are not separating from the DBs. You're not, even last year when you watched Peyton Manning through all those interceptions, one of the reasons was the defensive backs were right on his receivers. There is very little margin of error as a Bronco quarterback right now to fit those passes in. It's not, like I said, like a Randy Moss who blew defenders away and you could just throw the ball up in the air and watch him run up under it. Um, and even some of the plays in the Super Bowl and in the playoffs with the Broncos last year, the defensive back was in position to make a play and, and just didn't sometimes. I think that in order for the Broncos receivers and the Broncos passing game to move forward, those receivers are going to have to get more separation for Simeon. Rarely is there a pass where you're like, okay, that was wide open, and, and he completed that pass. That's not happening with the Broncos' offense right now. Okay. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Well, I, I've watched each game three times. <laughs> uh, wow, that's and, dedication. <laughs> um, I would have to say that I think what's going on right now, I, I have to disagree a little bit. I think they're getting open. I just don't think Denver's opening up the pass attack yet. They're not going deep at all. I mean, they're not letting Simeon throw the ball downfield at all. I think, from what I've heard, they're going to implement that a little bit more each week, hopefully, as he gets more comfortable. And once they start going deep a little bit, maybe that will open things up a little more for the receivers. What do you, I mean, does that sound like a possibility? You know what, Dave? I'm glad you said that. I was just telling women that about, you know, with the Eagles and all like that. I'm surprised that they these offerings, they're not opening up their playbook yet. And I agree with you. I don't think teams open up their playbook fully, you know? I was telling yeah. women that, you know? Well, and, and they are both young quarterbacks, so you there is some validity in the fact that they're not right now what they're going to be. But I think it's hard as a head coach in, in, in Kubiak's position. Why would you throw the ball downfield deep if you can sit behind the defense, run the ball, and throw short passes. I mean, if you can win like that, there's really not much incentive. And, and, and not only can you win like that, you want a Super Bowl like that. There's not much incentive to do anything different. Um, and if it's not broke, you're definitely not going to fix it. And they continue to win games with that same formula. And, and, and so I don't see them doing much different. Uh, there obviously is possibility of Simeon gets more comfortable, maybe they open up the passing game, and I'm sure they will to some extent, but are they going to let him sling it downfield when they can throw a three- or four-yard pass and, and you know, run the ball in, in the cloud of dirt? I don't see that happening. Mm. Well, that makes perfectly good sense. I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I was at the game uh, against Indianapolis, and I just, they're so conservative on offense, and maybe you're right that they're just relying on the defense so much, but they do have some offensive weapons, and their offensive line is a lot better, I think, this year than it was last year. Simeon, I think, is playing at a higher level than than what they had last year. I, I just don't. Uh, I just would like to see them throw the ball downfield once in a while. I really, well, I'm, sure those, Simeon, I'm sure those. Simeon's receivers different would than too. Peyton, though. Too Simeon can move. You know, he can run. You know, so he he can get out of the pocket and run with the ball a little bit more. You know, so yeah, the the offensive line is helping, but he's also able to move around a lot more to help out to to 
you know, so that he can he can move the ball downfield and and or throw it. So there, he has a few other extra weapons than Peyton did. Yeah, and I think Peyton, you know, obviously it was very clear that he was on the at the end of his career didn't have much velocity on the ball. Uh, Simeon definitely looks like he has a lot more zip, uh, a lot more arm strength, and and he's definitely capable because he has some mobility of running that Kubiak. Uh, play action offense. So, um, you know, and, and, and just being a, an objective observer, I definitely do think they have a few more weapons on offense. They have uh, the running back out of Utah, Booker, uh, which adds mm-hmm. a different element to their running game, both uh, running and, and those swing passes he's gotten um, out of the backfield. So, you know, I, d- I definitely think that Denver's on the right trajectory, uh, but we can, we all have to hope that uh, they they can't replicate the formula that they used last year to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, we got to take another break. We come back. We're gonna ask Dave and Wayne and you too, Chris, about Jay Cutler. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, your host and Loving Sports Talk co-host. Welcome to Chris, you there? Oh, I'm always here. Chris, I'm about to stare it up right now with Dave and Wayman. You guys Okay, go for it. Yes. All right. I know you had this question on your list, Chris, so I'm a, you know what? I'm going to ask. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to let them answer that you, and then I'm going to sit back and answer. But, guys, let's start off with Wayman and Dave. Jay Cutler, I said it years ago, he's a bum. When he was with Denver, I know you're going to talk about that, Dave. He was with you guys. I got rid of him. Came to Chicago, and everybody can talk about his emotion. He don't want to play. He's not a leader. Then they pay him all that money, and he quit in the playoffs, NFC 
Okay. Then he quit last night. What do you guys think of um, Jay Cutler? Who wanna go first? You, Dave, or Wayman? I'll go first, I guess. Uh, I have to agree with you, James. I I think he is a bust. He's it's too bad, but I mean he's got a he had a tremendous arm. He had an arm that uh some people were saying his arm was was up there almost with as strong as Elway's, um, but when he came into the league, but he just—he's never done it. He's never been a—you know—one taking his team into the playoffs and won some games. And um, I just don't—I don't know if you can just say he's a winner. I—I I, I don't think he's done well in Chicago. Um, the little bit I saw him play this year, he looked very average. I—I just—I don't think he's—I don't think he's the answer. Wayne? Um, I think the answer is twofold. I think Jay Cutler uh, has not performed to expectation or the amount of money that he has made and and how he's been presented in in the NFL. You know, um, going to Chicago, being given exorbitant amounts of money to to lead that team, and, and maybe... That has been unfair because I don't think Cutler has ever been that person. Um, he kind of reminds me of Romo in the sense that Cutler has thrown for a million yards in his career. Um, he has all the statistics that, that anyone would drool over. But when it comes down to winning the game at the end or needing a crucial score, he's more apt to turn the ball over and let your team down than win it. Um, but but I don't place all the blame on him. Cutler was at his best in Chicago when they had Lovey Smith sitting behind a good defense and um, Matt Forte running the ball. You take that away from Cutler, and he's very average. But you even take that away from John Elway, and you take out, you know, Elway threw for millions and millions of yards early in his career. He won his two Super Bowls not because of what he did, but because of the running game. So when Denver got a running game at the end of Elway's career, he won Super Bowls. You take Cutler and you put a dynamic runner in front of him, put Forte in front of him, he looks a lot better than he does when he has to sling the ball 35 times a game and doesn't have a defense that can protect a lead once they get it. So I don't, I'm not going to call him a bomb. I'm going to call him, for the amount of money he's getting, a disappointment and very average. Since we're talking about Cutler and the Bears, um, his future with the Bears is kind of on, on, on edge because apparently this is the last year of the, his guaranteed portion um, of that extension he signed, and it runs out this this year. So it's, it, he's, he's very vulnerable. I mean, but they don't have a real backup in place for him. You know, what, what, what do you think the odds of him of them letting him go? He's done. Okay. He's done, and you look at you look at what Philadelphia is doing. You look at what Dallas is doing, and, and and all of all of sports. Once somebody does it once, then that's the expectation. So you know when you got a Cam Newton in, when you got a Michael, or when you got a Michael Vick in, and you got a Cam Newton in, and you got an RG three in, you got a Kaepernick in. Um, it's definitely a league of trends, and so now with a Carson Wentz, with a Dak Prescott. Teams will once again believe that they can go into the draft um, and, and get a viable quarterback. And it, it's always been that way, but with these teams starting 
these quarterbacks week one. Is Chicago going to pay Jake Cutler $20 million to have another season like he's having, or would they rather save those resources and go out and get Deshaun Watson from Clemson or Kaiser from Notre Dame or Kelly from uh, Mississippi? I think, at least to me, it's pretty evident that they're definitely going to go the way of the draft and try to develop a quarterback the way these other teams are. I have a question regarding um, the quarterbacks. You know, Simeon was taken in the seventh round, and Kubiak worked a lot with him last year and developed him a lot. Well, how much do you think that still holds in the pro football anymore, developing players that, well, you know, uh, Tom Brady was only taken in the sixth round and Dak Prescott was taken in the fourth round. I mean, uh, are there... Are there players that are still available out there, quarterbacks, in the later rounds that can still make it? Are they still able to develop these players, or are they mostly just these quarterbacks that come out in the high first rounds that are tremendous athletes? That's a good question, David. I even looked at that and thought about it. You know, the first round, first round quarterback can take the first round. They look at that and expect all the expectations and expect to be great. But if you kind of look at your quarterback that come in the seventh, fourth round, I don't want to stay in the league when they become to be great. You guys agree with that? I, I say yes and no. I mean, you you can't spend the amount of money that these teams are spending on these quarterbacks and develop them. And I, I think that's why you can see a Simeon being developed. You, you're not spending and paying him very much money, so you can keep on keep him on your team for X amount of years develop him. He wasn't getting very many repetitions in practice when you had Peyton Manning and you also had Osweiler. There was no repetitions left for uh, Simeon. He just absorbed the culture. He was able to obviously be in there during um, film study and whatnot, but did he get very many reps in practice? No. Um, and, and so that's a great testament to him that he's been able to absorb what he's done without ever taking a step on the field, but if RG3 was in a similar position and he got to absorb Denver's offense, not have to step on the field, um, and, and be able to get the mental part of the game, the studying part of the game, um, his career path might be on a different trajectory. Washington couldn't afford spending the amount of money that they spent on an RG3 to have him sit on the bench. Philadelphia traded away Bradford even though they were paying him and another backup a large amount of money because they can't afford for him to be on the bench. You cannot pay these guys in the first round to sit on your bench anymore in sports. Back in the day, um, you know, you, you allowed quarterbacks, some quarterbacks, to develop. Um, Tom Brady, we might not ever have heard his name if Drew Bledsoe didn't get hurt. It wasn't like Brett, Brady was chomping at the bit or waiting in the wings. Uh, New England was in the playoffs with Bledsoe. He would have been the quarterback there for a few more years. Um, he got hurt. Tom Brady stepped up to the plate almost in the same fashion as Simeon where you got Osweiler traded away and Peyton Manning re- retiring. Um, he gets his turn. But his career path would be very different if Peyton Manning wasn't at the end of his career or Osweiler would have decided to stay. You, you wouldn't even know who Trevor Simeon is. So a lot of it is luck. Um, a lot of it is being in the right place at the right time. But in today's day and age, 
that's probably why you see people more drafted in later rounds having the opportunity because they have an opportunity to develop where if you don't have it as a Carson Wentz, if you don't have it right now, you're going to be a bust because a team's not going to wait on you for four years paying you $15 million a year to develop. We can't pay you that type of money for a, a developmental project. But if you're paying someone a few hundred thousand dollars like they are Simeon, well, sure, you can have three or four years to develop. And you can develop just like Paxton Lynch is developing, but I guarantee you if they're on the same, same, at the same ability and level next year or even later on this year, Paxton Lynch will be the starter for Denver. Not because he's a better player, not because he has more upside, but you can't afford to pay him the type of money that you're paying him and have him sit on your bench. Hmm. I have a question. Do you think Minnesota was very foolish to give up a number one pick for uh, Sam Bradford before, without even knowing that uh, Adrian Peterson was going to go down with a injury? Um, if I can jump in, I thought they were, and I was kind of kind of teasing a couple of weeks ago, saying that I thought it was very foolish for them to do that. But but maybe they know something that no one else knows because if they can if they can perform even close to how they performed um, on Sunday night, I, I think it winds up being a very good trade for them. Um, and and Sam Bradford could definitely be a franchise changing player. I mean, if Minnesota can run the ball, or not run the ball, but throw the ball, and Peterson comes back like he was in past years, well, even though they couldn't run it versus Green Bay, that opens up that offense for Minnesota in a way that it never has been since Adrian Peterson's been there. He's never really had a quarterback that could sling the ball downfield. So if you have to worry about Sam Bradford burning you downfield, throwing to Stephon Diggs, then that should open up huge lanes and extend the life, even though I think this is Adrian Peterson's last year in Minnesota. Um, but whoever's playing running back in Minnesota, I think it, it bodes well that you have a receiver that can get receiver. You have a quarterback that can get the ball downfield. Well, keep in mind, Minnesota, they went, when, when with AP going down, uh, they signed a contract for Hillman, who used to be with the Broncos. You know, and Hillman, you know, could always find little holes and, and run for the Broncos. So, you know, maybe he'll be able to help out in the interim. I didn't know that Minnesota signed Hillman. What's wow. that? Yeah, I, didn't know I, I, read, I read it today, him. so yeah. That's well, I, interesting. Yep. Well, I think it bodes well for, for both Hillman and, and Minnesota, but like I said, Minnesota was always a run-first team, and you yes. imagine if Adrian Peterson was, was able to rush for 2,000 yards with a quarterback's name we don't even remember now in that season, where you actually mm-hmm. put him with someone who can actually throw the ball... I think that helps Minnesota immensely. It also helps the Eagles. Um, and you imagine that, or at least I really felt that this was a rebuilding year for the Eagles, and if they're able to be halfway decent and then get first-round picks on top of it next year, oh, man, this is going to be a tough year for me as a Redskins fan and maybe going forward, so I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Not good. Not good. It's gonna be okay. I could ask just one more question. Sure. I just... Okay. How can Denver not be favored against the Cincinnati Bengals next week? 
I, I mostly, well, I'll answer from my, my, my perspective. I think it's because it's at, it, it's not at, not at Denver, you know. And people are not giving Denver the, the offense the credit that they've been doing. So that's my opinion. Okay. Wayman? I don't think Denver has been favored any game this year except for the Indianapolis. They weren't favored to Carolina. They were Correct. minus three. Uh, I think Indianapolis, I mean, everybody's figuring a young quarterback, you know, you got the defense, but Cincinnati ain't no joke. Am I wrong or right, Wayman? Uh, I, I definitely, you know, and we've already touched on it, and, and I definitely agree with Chris. Um, <clears throat> I don't think Denver's going to get any credit um, going forward throughout the season, but I think it's also because of the style of play. Denver is not going to, they're not going to beat anybody by 21 points. Denver is going to grind out every single game they play. And so the odds makers keep expecting that one of these weeks, a team is going to score, and it's not ever going to be Denver. Um, you know, Denver's 26 in passing yards right now, and, and though they are, you know, in the middle of the pack as far as their total yards per game, um, Denver is not going to, they're not going to run up the score on anyone. And I think because of that, people keep expecting that someone else is going to score one week against that defense and beat them. Well, guys, we got to end the show. So I want to thank you, Dave. Call us, call back. And when you know you call back, everybody call back, right? right? Absolutely. We want everyone much. to call in. Especially when you know, I'm going to call Even if it's only for a few minutes a week, I'm going to call in just to, to, to see how we're going with this little Philadelphia thing. So I, I know after next week, um, it'll be 2-1. and one, And if it's 3-0, and oh, you might not hear from me again. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Are, are you saying that you're, we're going to lose your number? Are you going to lose our number? <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm I'm definitely not that type of. Uh, no, we can find weather. you. Oh, I'm sure. I'm in love. Definitely can find me, but no, I'll definitely be calling in at least at minimum with an update on the the Eagles season. And then we an update on the Broncos. <laughs> oh man, Broncos. I hope it's two and one after this week, but we'll see. Oh, Dave, Dave, don't worry. Don't worry. They're going to be good. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. Right we'll it. <laughs> Thank you all very much. Thank all right. Have idea. a good week, everybody. It's been a great show. Thank you. All right. You Thank well. you. Bye-bye. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com.